This is KGNU's Morning Magazine. It's Thursday, July 27th of 2023. I'm your host, Shannon Young. Coming up on today's program, we'll hear how local restaurants are teaming up with a nonprofit to send supplies to Ukraine's front lines. Then, Radio Nibbles host John Lindorf will be in the studio with food critic Clay Fong. A BBC News update is at the bottom of the hour, then it's a public affair. Host Tish Buford will chat with Wayne Watts, co-founder of the Dream Create Inspire Tour and the director of player engagement for the Denver Nuggets. Coming up at 9 a.m., it's the July installment of the Radio Book Club. This morning, we'll hear Boulder author Finn Murphy talking about his latest book, Rocky Mountain High, Boom and Bust in the New Wild West. The book tells Finn's own story of trying to capitalize on the recent hemp-growing revolution in Colorado, only to watch those dreams crumble as the price of hemp plummeted. Then at 9.30, Greg Schultz will be in the Boulder studio for the Morning Sound Alternative. That's all still coming up, but first it's time for the headlines with KGNU's Benita Lee. The city and county of Denver is now eligible for funding towards the construction of thousands of affordable housing units. The Colorado Department of Local Affairs Division of Housing approved the city's request to access funds through Proposition 123, which voters put into place during the 2022 state election. Proposition 123 allows local communities to apply for funding to help develop affordable housing for people at risk or experiencing homelessness. Mayor Mike Johnston called Proposition 123 a, quote, critical tool and said his office looks forward to, quote, submitting additional applications to the state to help fund our efforts to bring 1,000 Denverites indoors, unquote. Denver became eligible by pledging to increase its affordable housing units by 9% over three years. For Denver, that means about 1,500 units per year, totaling over 4,500 affordable housing units over a three-year period. Kaiser Permanente healthcare workers in Colorado have announced plans to strike to protest short staffing and financial depletion. KGNU's Ivana Levis has more. Kaiser Permanente Healthcare Workers, represented by the Service Employees International Union, or SEIU, will hold an informational picket Saturday at the Kaiser Permanente Water Park facility in Aurora. Employees say short staffing in the wake of the pandemic has compromised patient care. Patricia Johnson Gibson, a Kaiser employee for over 20 years and vice president of healthcare at SEIU, says Kaiser has the resources to retain employees and reduce staffing issues by listening to their demands and investing in the workforce that make quality patient care possible. Kaiser Permanente is classified as a nonprofit healthcare provider organization. It has reported more than $21 billion in profit over the past five years. According to SEIU, Colorado healthcare workers, on average, make less than $25 an hour in Colorado. More than 85,000 employees across the nation are participating in the strike, hoping they can create change in the healthcare industry. For KGNU, I'm Ivano Olivas. Staff members at a shelter for unhoused youth in Denver voted Wednesday to unionize through the Service Employees International Union Local 105, or SEIU. If workers at the Urban Peak Shelter finalize the plan, it will be a first for unhoused shelter employees in the state. Workers say their jobs are physically and emotionally demanding and allege that management punishes them when they speak out about traumatic incidents. 
The SEIU press release specifically mentions the death of a previous client as an example of such an incident. 19-year-old Xavier Wake was found dead in a tent near Urban Peak on February 12th. Shelter employees say a union will help them address issues with management to make it a safer setting for both workers and unhoused youth. A warning, the following story may be disturbing to some listeners. Newly released body camera footage shows that a 28-year-old man running into northbound I-25 was tased by a Larimer County Sheriff's deputy as an oncoming SUV sped towards him, then ran over his shocked body. Sheriff's Deputy Lorenzo Luhan pulled over Brent Thompson the night of February 18th for an expired registration sticker. Thompson told Luhan he was driving his girlfriend's car and did not have his driver's license with him. Thompson gave Luhan a false name, which the deputy searched when he went back to the patrol car. When told he was under arrest, Thompson ran across the southbound lane and into the highway median, with Luhan in pursuit, yelling that he would tase him. Footage shows Thompson leaping over the highway guardrail as the SUV's headlights approach. Then, when Thompson is in the middle of the first northbound lane, Luhan fires his taser. The SUV driver honks, but seconds later runs over Thompson. Emergency workers then transported Thompson to the hospital, where he was pronounced dead. Following an internal sheriff's office investigation, Larimer District Attorney Gordon McLaughlin said last week that Luhan used poor judgment but did not press charges against him. The Thompson family's attorneys released the footage and are calling for Luhan's firing. Thompson's mother said her son was murdered and that the family plans to bring the case to civil court. The United States Forest Service is finalizing a deal to lease land to a local government for workforce housing. KGNU's Pam Johnson explains. According to Summit Daily, the proposal uses the 2018 Agricultural Improvement Act, or Farm Bill, which allows governments to lease national forest land for cash and non-cash agreements. The deal consists of the Dillon Ranger District, the Summit County Government, and the Town of Dillon. Under the plan, 162 income-based rental units would be built on some 11 acres that are already home to housing and the Ranger District's offices. Most of the units would be for working county residents, while some would replace aging housing for Ranger District staff. If all parties reach an agreement, the deal would be one of the first reached using the Farm Bill and could pave the way for other governments to follow suit. Officials have until September 30th, the date the current Farm Bill expires, to agree on the deal. For KGNU, I'm Pam Johnson. The Jefferson County Sheriff's Office says seven incidents have been reported of a man assaulting women hiking alone on open space trails. Officials say the man was naked the first two times he approached women and that his behavior has become increasingly aggressive. The incidents occurred between April 3rd and July 24th, six times in Flying J Ranch Park in Conifer and once at Alderfer Three Sisters Park in Evergreen. The sheriff's office says the suspect is still at large and they are seeking tips from the public to help identify him. They are urging people to hike with a friend or family member, stay on trails, bring a phone, and report suspicious activity. 
The version of the U.S. Drought Monitor released on July 20th once again includes Colorado just two weeks after the entire state was declared drought-free for the first time since 2019, according to the Denver Post. Areas impacted include portions of southwest Colorado, which are experiencing abnormally dry conditions. A slightly larger footprint in western Colorado was included in this week's drought monitor. In Denver, Boulder, and Fort Collins, highs in the low to mid-90s and lows near 60. Scattered showers and thunderstorms are expected over the mountains and plains this afternoon and evening. Strong and gusty winds up to 50 miles per hour are possible. For KGNU, I'm Benita Lee. You are listening to The Morning Magazine on KGNU. I'm your host, Shannon Young. A recent Russian bombing of a Ukrainian dam and a massive heat wave sweeping across Europe have complicated the already difficult wartime conditions in Ukraine. Sunflower Seeds Ukraine, a Boulder-based nonprofit, is hosting its second annual Dine Out for Ukraine fundraiser at restaurants across the Front Range tonight. KGNU's Jacob Agatston spoke with Natalie Condon, a Ukrainian-American volunteer with Sunflower Seeds Ukraine, who says medical and protective gear are needed now more than ever. Right now, our big push is water because of the bombing of the dam. Having safe water to drink has become a real issue. And because it's hot right now, a lot of the defenders do not have camelbacks. and so. Thirst is a big problem, and so we're providing them with as many camelbacks and water filtration units and even just tablets, purifying tablets, as we can. So that's one of our big pushes right now. So we try to sort of fill the gaps that we get directly from the front lines and directly from the civilians. They contact our Ukrainian volunteers who are on the ground there in Ukraine, and then those volunteers who are Ukrainians in Rivni, Ukraine, vet all of the requests and try to fulfill the ones that seem most urgent. You briefly touched on it a little bit, but what is the current situation in Ukraine like? Unfortunately, I would say it's becoming increasingly desperate, right? So it started in May. Leading into the counteroffensive, Putin really got reactive and started bombing everyone indiscriminately. It it really was civilians. It was cities. It was hospitals. It was anything at all. And then on, I think the date was June 6th. I should really have it etched in my mind, either June 6th or June 7th, when they bombed the dam. It became really clear that this counteroffensive had triggered an even uglier side to this invasion, one that was going to be punitive and even more punitive and not take into consideration anything, not not human life, not the environment, not anything. And, and then now we have Odessa, which just happened on Monday, where Russia decided to pull out of the grain agreement and start bombing Odessa. And so I think now we're seeing really the, I think the world is seeing just how kind of barbaric and what measures Russia will take. And And the impact of that on Ukraine, of course, is, you know, every night people are living with air raid sirens. Every night people are wondering whether or not they'll wake up in the morning to a home or still be alive. And and that's true of everyone 
throughout Ukraine, it's really, really bad on the front lines and where the counteroffensive is taking place. Amazingly, it is not in any way dampening the Ukrainian spirit or resolve. So the Ukrainians keep telling us, I mean, especially the ones we're in contact with, we're absolutely not going to stand down. You know, this is, if we do, that's the end of our country. It's the end of our sovereignty. And, and we're just not. So I think the resolve is still there, but I think that the, you know, the danger has really significantly increased for everyone. And it's just really sad. You know, it's really, really sad. But it's, if, if anything, it's really, it's just uh, strengthened the resolve of the Ukrainian people, which is pretty remarkable from where we sit, I think, to watch this unfold. Keep wondering how much more can uh, people take? And they just, they keep fighting back. and. They're just not, they're not going to, I mean, they, they were in such a good place before this invasion happened. Ukraine was so growing strong and growing back from, you know, 2014 and then from, and yeah, and they just, they don't want to go back. They're not, they're not doing it. So hopefully, you know, the international community can somehow intervene to, to free Ukraine from this invasion, I don't. I don't know how. I honestly don't know how it's going to end. But for now, the Ukrainian people are resolute. Could you explain to me a little bit more about Dino for Ukraine? It's this wonderful, I mean, amazing initiative where all these local restaurants, um, especially the ones who really have a tradition of being involved in giving, um, you know, like the Big Red F Group and and Three Leaf Concepts. There's some restaurants around who really have a giving spirit and and they have stepped up again and again to give to local nonprofits and so yeah they give us five to ten percent of their of their day's proceeds tomorrow and they really put the emphasis on creating awareness around what's happening in Ukraine and we were hoping there would only be a first annual but yeah so this is the second annual dine out for Ukraine last year we raised over twenty one thousand dollars in that one day which is huge for us for many nonprofits that's not a lot of money but for us that was really really big each one of our little medical aid kits, for example, costs $100 to assemble. So for us, that's a lot of medical aid kits. And so we're hoping to raise as much or more tomorrow. And all people need to do is go to the restaurant. And we have at our website a link on our events page. So it's sunflowerseedsukraine.org. And there's an events link and there's a Dine Out for Ukraine page. And all of the restaurants are listed there. Also, if you're on Facebook, you can look up Sunflower Seeds Ukraine. And we have a link there to the event as well, an event link. And it lists all the restaurants. And we have restaurants from Denver to Boulder, Louisville, Lafayette, Longmont. I'm trying to work my way north. Fort Collins, of course, Estes Park. Um, so all over. Natalie Condon is a volunteer with Sunflower Seeds Ukraine. Natalie, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for giving us time on the air. We really, really appreciate it. And um, thanks for all you guys do at KGNU. For more information, you can check out their website, sunflowerseedsukraine.org, or our website, news.kgnu.org. For KGNU, I'm Jacob Agatston. John Lindorf is in the studio for Radio Nibbles, and he's got a special guest, Clay Fong, food critic of 5280. Good morning to both of you. 
good morning, and um, welcome to Radio Nibbles, everyone. Uh, you know, uh, between uh, Clay and I, uh, we probably have reviewed at least a thousand restaurants uh, in our time. Uh, Clay was the, the dining critic at the uh, Boulder Weekly before me and uh, has written extensively. We could uh, wallow in uh, nostalgia and talk about things, but there's just so much going on. Uh, food-wise in Boulder right now that we're just going to go right into it. Hey, Clay. Hey, John. It's great to be back on Radio Nibbles. Um, always enjoy it. And like you said, yeah, lots happened since last time I've been on, which I suspect was probably over a year ago. Right. And uh, we were just talking that, I mean, most of the empty spots that, that, that were from the pandemic and everything now are, are filling in with uh, various uh, restaurants. So uh, we're just going to talk about what's going on. The first big, the biggest thing, uh, besides the fact that Voodoo, Voodoo Donuts is going to be open and cause gridlock on Arapaho, uh, and it's gray and not pink, but, you know, uh, Ashkara. Yeah, they had their last service just a couple days ago, and... Um... You know, it's another Pearl Street place that, you know, I don't think I've eaten there. I hadn't eaten there for about a year's time, and I thought it was pretty good the last time I went there, but um, for whatever reasons, they've decided to pull up steaks. And uh, I'm, I'm going to miss the pita bread, especially. There's a new place called uh, Masas and Agave, which is at uh, 909 uh, Walnut. Uh, trying to figure out which uh, building that's, that's in, but... Uh, Oh, I know where it is. It's where Supermoon in Arcano is. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, so that's coming. Right. And uh, what else? Wasn't you had mentioned that we're looking at an L&L barbecue, Hawaiian barbecue branch opening up? Yes. Yes. Spam Masubi and oh, yeah. uh, lunch plates. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be in Crossroads Commons near uh, Whole Foods. Okay. Uh, you know, that, that was one thing we needed in, uh, in Boulder was more... Uh, uh, Hawaiian food. And I will never argue with that. I mean, I actually really enjoy it. I mean, I remember remember 8 Island, which used to be on 28th where Gabby Coffee is now. Well, that's that's and, way back. Yeah. And then there's also, there's another Hawaiian barbecue that I think recently opened up in Longmont, Kona Barbecue. I was there right. maybe about two months ago and got, you know, kind of one of your plate lunch specials with the, you know, Mac salad and all of that. So yeah, for lovers of classic uh, Hawaiian food, we're in the right place now. Uh, another opening, Hummus Republic, which is a national Mediterranean chain, mm-hmm. just opened in Louisville. There's closings, too. Uh, brew pubs, breweries seem to be closing uh, a lot of them. Ool's, which is a very cool mm-hmm. one, is, uh, closes uh, in early August. Um, but there's other places opening, like Main Shack. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just saying what we what Boulder really needs is, you know, very expensive uh, uh, lobster rolls, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, who who can't do that, especially a thousand miles from the nearest ocean? Uh, Colorado restaurants uh, are being visited right now by uh, secret uh, reviewers, right? From uh, Michelin, because, not us, because they're going to be Michelin starred, and right. both both of us were saying. 
Did they call us up and ask us to be secret reviewers? No. But then again, we're a little too visible. But Right, uh, and I, I don't have a white inflatable suit in my, right. uh, in my vehicle. Um, we're not so excited about the, the Michelin star places. There's probably just a couple of restaurants like Frasca and Boulder that mm-hmm. will get those. But uh, there's another part of it. Yeah, so I was actually recently out in the San Francisco Bay Area visiting family. And um, as some folks might know, there's, in addition to the stars, Michelin recognizes certain restaurants as the Bib Gourmand. And um, I've always assumed that the, the Bib thing comes not necessarily from a bib that one wears. But here's a good trivia question. What's the name of the Michelin Man? That's like puffy? No. Bibbendum. Hmm? So, hence the bib. Oh, oh, oh. Um, so, I hit three of the bib gourmand restaurants in the San Francisco Bay Area, and I'd say each of them was about 15 to $20, so very reasonably priced and good, authentic Mexican food. So, I went to a Japanese curry place, a taqueria, mm. oh. and a great dim sum place in San so, Francisco. So, that means that some of the cooler, local, original places uh, in Boulder could be up for the, the Michelin bib Yes. Uh, award, which is, uh, you know, it's a little more uh, reasonable. Um, I'm, I'm going to jump ahead sure, a little bit here sure. because I know that you have a few things. But uh, what have you eaten lately and where that you really loved? Well, you know, there's been an explosion in good Asian food around here. I mean, I'd say in the last year I have not had as much good Asian food since I've moved oh. here in the mid-90s. Well, you said there's a new place that's called Asian Food? Asian Cuisine. Asian. Um, so they're out in Superior in a strip mall, and they have the best dry-fry beef chow fun that I've had mm. in Colorado. Um, they do excellent duck, and then they also do a Hong Kong-style fried noodle uh, with chicken. Um, people might also know that under its other name, Jean Mean, and it's just as good as stuff I've and, and so it's called Asian Cuisine, and yeah. it's where? It's in Superior, in a little strip mall by the Safeway. So is it near Enchanted Oven? Um, you know what? You know that place, right? Yeah. Ex- no, I think it's... You know, I'm not 100% because now I'm getting confused oh, exactly where Enchanted Oven in, is. In yeah. any case, there's a lot yeah. happening. Uh, other things you've tasted lately? Well, um, yeah. In federal, oh, you were mentioning a dumpling place. Yeah, there's actually two new dumpling places off 104th. I've only been to one. One is Happy Dumpling, one is Yummy Dumpling. I've only <laughs> been to Yummy Dumpling. <laughs> I, and it lives up to its billing. Um, so the thing, two things I'd recommend there is classic Szechuan dumplings and chili oil, oh. and which isn't really just chili oil. It's more like chili oil and soy sauce, so right. it's not as scary as it might sound in terms of heat. And then the second thing that was pretty fantastic was a green tea bacon fried rice. So highly recommend that. Well, that sounds delicious. Yeah, and it was. Uh, What about in Boulder? Um, You know... I've recently, and this should be the next review coming out, went to Stella's Cucina, the new sort of speakeasy inflected spot, kind of hard to find, you know, hence the speakeasy kind of theme um, off of Walnut and had um, an excellent red shrimp pasta there. Um, They're doing really nice things with kind of, I'd say, refined, but still somewhat simple and elegant Italian preparations Mm. and house-made pasta and the like. Mm. And I was happy that I could actually tell you about a place that you didn't know about. Uh, DJ's Watering Hole. Anybody heard about it? It's in a, like a former Applebee's right near 36 on McCaslin. And I just heard about it, actually, maybe, I, I'm not sure. Um, it's the it's a combination of uh, barbecue and uh, Indian food. So you can get like uh, really well done smoked uh, brisket uh, served with a beautiful masala sauce and uh, naan. 
you know, to grab a bite of it. And uh, it's uh, pretty, it's amazingly uh, good. So it's mm-hmm. uh, DJ's Watering Hole in, uh, in Louisville. I'll have to check that out. <laughs> I'm going to take this really quick pause to ask mm-hmm. you. Uh, I, was, I was looking on Reddit yesterday looking for hidden spots or hidden gems that I've never been here but while you're talking about good Asian food in this area you and me noodle house can you give yeah. me a, yeah um so they are very close to where I live actually and one of the couple of things that they do that I don't see at a lot of other places and I do recommend it um is and they're related to the trollings folks so it's kind of a combo of that they do um a dry hot pot which is somewhat unique um, they also do a um, kanji, which or juk is, which it's is the rice, rice porridge. It's rice porridge. Yeah, right? yeah. Except the nice thing is, instead of the sort of savory fried donut, you can actually get it with scallion pancakes to dip, which I think is a vast improvement over the other stuff. But it, it's great over there. I just had scallion pancakes at yeah. the Dragon Boat Festival. Oh, yeah. great. oh great. <laughs> yeah, I haven't been no. to the festival for a long time. I used to I used to captain a team, and that was just too exhausting. You know, <laughs> we talk about a lot of cuisines, but, you know. I'd be very happy eating uh, non scallion pancakes, mm-hmm. uh, tortillas, and mm. you know all that stuff. Um, I the one thing I wanted to mention we've talked a lot about fermentation. On uh, the fifth, of course, is World Fermentation Day, as declared by the home brewers. But there's a <laughs> workshop at Bimoka. Okay. On uh, how to ferment things with uh, Mara King of Azuke, and that's uh, August 4th, so be sure to look for that. And that's going to do it. You can look up uh, John's former Radio Nibbles or the current one at news.kgnu.org. And you can read my column at boulderweekly.com. That's it for today's Morning Magazine. I've been your host and producer, Shannon Young. Thanks to Benita Lee, Yvonne Olivas, Pam Johnston, Jack Armstrong, Alexis Kenyon, Jacob Agatson, and John Lindor for their contributions to today's program. Stay tuned for A Public Affair with Tish Buford, and then it's Radio Book Club with Maeve Conran. That's coming up just on the other side of the BBC News Headlines.